Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Tiny Reminders podcast, where we learn big lessons from small voices. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Ward Lupinacci. And if you haven't taken a listen to our preview episode from last week, feel free to head back and check that out too. It's a short one that gives some good context for what our goals are here at Tiny Reminders. This episode, you'll be hearing from Addie, and the story she wants to share with you might be more familiar than you think. According to the National Alliance on Mental Health, approximately 7% of children in the U.S. aged 3 to 17 have diagnosed anxiety. Addie does, or she did, although her symptoms have all but disappeared since they were at their peak when she was 5. Yep, I said 5. Five-year-olds can get anxiety, and I promise you it's very real for them. The stories you'll hear from Addie are the remembered experiences of a nine-year-old girl reflecting back to a time when her life felt unmanageable. I'll let Addie tell her story because, remember, my job here is to listen and to help you all listen to the important stories from voices that don't usually get to be at the center. It's not very often that we hand kids the mic without first giving them a script and setting them up for cuteness. I'll tell you right now, Addie is very cute. She's a beautiful nine-year-old girl with a sweet laugh and quick wit. Her story, though, it's not always cute. In fact, it's very serious. As she tells it, I want you to imagine the world of a five-year-old girl. Think of all the things that might be big and scary and just feel completely out of your control when you're five and small and trying to find ways to make sense of the world. Then imagine, as is the case with Addie and with many of our children, that you experience a trauma, one that makes you feel uncertain of which grown-ups you can trust, who's telling you the truth, the kind of trauma that threatens your sense of security from day to day. Addie has asked me to share this part with you because it doesn't come up when she tells her story, not in the way she tells it. The trauma seems secondary, and she works through her experiences with anxiety and fear, and I can't help but think that this has something to do with her healing process. She's a confident and happy nine-year-old girl with a story of resilience that we can pull so many lessons from. And so, let's hear her voice now. Good. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Um, is this your first podcast you've been on? Yes. Okay. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? No. Oh, cool. Mm. Um, have you listened to the Tiny Reminders podcast? Yes. Oh, well, look at you. Okay. You did your research. <laughs> Always? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let me ask you one more thing. What? How does it feel to get to make up your own name? Good. Is it kind of cool? Yes. Does it make you feel like... Like a secret spy. Yes. <laughs> Good. That's what we're going for here. Secret spy storytellers. Okay. <laughs> oh, I got a, a bit of an eye roll on that one. Um, okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> okay. So um, let's talk a little bit today. Okay. Okay. You have prepared a few short stories for us that you want to share today, huh? Yes. Okay. Is there a common theme that goes through them? Yes. Anxiety. Anxiety. Um, can I ask you something about that? Yes. Addie, what does anxiety mean to you? Panic. Panic. What does panic mean? I have no clue. <laughs> you have no clue. Uh, something you felt? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any like describing words for something like panic? Scared. Scared. 
Good. Okay. Um, so let's get to your stories because really the people here want to hear your voice. Hmm. Okay. We're going to cut to your stories and then we're going to come back and talk to you some more about uh, all of the things that you've shared with us. Sound good? Okay. How it started. I remember one of the first times I had a panic attack. We figured out I really couldn't go in the car. My sister was little, and I was sitting with my dad watching TV. I saw my mom drive away to go to the store, and I, I started getting really bad anxiety. I said, I need tea now. Tea was one of the things that would help me calm down sometimes to get rid of the of it of that feeling then i would spin in a circle it wasn't helping my dad texted my mom and said come home as quick as you can my mom came home with groceries and a small baby doll toy for me I was five then. I lost that doll, literally. That There is no sign of that doll anywhere. The anxiety was all I could think about. We had, a, we had started calling it panic. By then, the, the thing is, I tried to focus my mind on something to get it to go to just stop, like watching TV, but that didn't help. And my head would also get a headache when it when it was happening. It was scary, and I did not even know why. It just was. I didn't really know what it was then and that's scary i just knew i had to breathe really heavily to catch my breath i feel better when my mom got home because i wasn't nervous anymore i probably i probably was scared of something but i heard i had no idea what There's something really powerful and special here. Addie wants you to know that she's still practicing reading out loud. That's what she told me, to please tell them I'm still practicing with my reading. She wrote these stories and articulated her experience with so much clarity. And when I gave her the choice of reading the stories herself or having me read them for the recording, she chose to. Listening to her read, like the amazing and still practicing nine-year-old she is, about such a serious thing in her life, is a reminder to us of how complicated and complex it is to be a kid. She is so much more than an emerging reader and a kid with anxiety. She's still practicing, and so am I, and so are you. The birthday party. It was my friend from preschool's birthday party. We had a plan to pick up a present for her at Toys R Us on the way to the party. I was so excited. This was a friend I really liked. At the time, I was already having panic attacks in the way on the 
in the car. We, so we couldn't drive on the freeway. We were taking the road I called the slow road to get to the party. I did not really notice how I was starting to get anxiety because I was so excited for the party. I just thought it was, I was feeling, was excitement. The thing is, is anxiety for me is in my stomach. So I sometimes feel it the same way I would feel excitement or butterflies. We drove about two more minutes and then I started feeling like feeling it like I I knew it wasn't excitement. I started trying to take deep breaths and playing with my hands to try to to calm down. Then I said, Mom, we need to pull over. We pulled into the a fire station parking lot. I rest, rested there for about 10 minutes, and then my mom said we, sh we should probably try to go home and get some medicine. We tried, we turned around, but within a few seconds of driving, I was having panic again. So we pulled over to the nearest thing, which was a school. We got out of the car and went, and we went to the grass field. I started to play. I started to play. I was rolling down the hill, picking dandelions and playing kitchen with them. My mom did a breathing meditation with the with 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 me where I used the dandelions and took a deep breath to blow them away. Then you, then when you are five and having anxiety, playing helps the, the most. And imagination, that helps too. A few minutes later, my dad and sister met us at the school with a drink and my medicine. I thought I was ready to get back in the car to get back in the car so we tried one more time to just go home. By then we had given up on going to the party. I was upset about I was upset about not being able to go to the go, but I just wanted to go home. When we started driving, I got the panic again. It was so bad I I wouldn't I would I would describe the panic attacks like my heart was racing and I thought it was going to come out of my chest. One time during a panic attack, my mom said, Addie, what, what's the worst thing that could happen right now? You're safe. And I said, Mom, the worst thing that could happen that could happen is that my heart explodes in my body and I die. That's how, that's, 
That's really how I felt. That's how it feels to have a panic. Like you, like you will probably die. We had to pull over again at the gas station. We went inside and got five blue raspberry airheads. We got... We got back in the car. We were only six minutes from home, but that but the whole trip there and back took over two hours to get home. I had to lean over to I had to lean over the side of my seat so I could couldn't see out the window and i could just focus on eating my candy i could see only i could only see out the little bit of the front window to tell when i was home i finally was home and i was so relieved but i didn't get in the car again after that day until almost a year Okay, we're back with Addie to talk a little bit about the stories that we shared that we got to hear from her. Are you with us, Addie? Yes. Great. Uh, thank you for sharing your experiences. You are quite welcome. I think that what you share is probably something that other kids can relate to. Do you think so? Yeah. Do you think there are other kids in the world that have felt the same kind of anxiety or panic that you have? Probably. Do you know any? Nope. Nope. Do you think you actually don't know any, or do you think that maybe kids just don't talk about it very often? Uh, I don't think I know any, but maybe the other thing. Maybe there are some kids that have it and just maybe don't talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. Okay, I love questions. I That's great. I love asking questions. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so one of the things I'm wondering, so you talked about um, playing and how play was something that really helped when you're having panic. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that other kids might want to know about? Probably. That could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. What would you tell kids who are having anxiety? What kind of games would you want them to play? Well, like imagination games. Yeah. Like playing pretty much like you can be by yourself or no. Like, if you want somebody to play with, you can. But if you don't and you just want to stay alone, play like that. Either kind had worked for you. Yeah. It sounds good. Do you think that the playing does anything specific to help you with the anxiety? Well, it kind of calms you down. So it feels calming to you? Mm-hmm. And then if you play, you can imagine that you don't actually have it. Oh. So then you kind of play your way out of it. Mm -hmm. That seems like a really good strategy. And that's something that's worked for you before. Yes. Okay. So now we're talking, Addie, about your anxiety, sort of like it's a thing of the past. Is that true? Yes. You're not having anxiety anymore? No. No. Do you remember how you started that sort of journey out of anxiety? Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. 
Was there a reason? Was there something motivating you? Because we ended your story with you saying that you hadn't, then after that big day of the birthday party, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You had a really hard time with panic in the car. Did that feel like a really long time? Yeah, it felt like longer than two hours. Yeah, I bet. It sounds like a lot. And then you ended your story by saying that that was the last time you got in the car for almost a year? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So a year in the life of a five-year-old is a pretty long time. Yeah. What kinds of things then weren't you able to do since you couldn't get in the car? Uh, I wasn't able to go on trips. I wasn't able to go to, like, stores. I wasn't able to um, go, like, to the drive-thru and stuff like that. Right. So pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine where you live, uh, because you live sort of what we, in what we'd call like a suburb, yeah. that most places you have to drive to to get anywhere yes. where you live. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot that you didn't get to do. What were some, th- some things that you still did get to do? Uh, I got to go and see my grandparents because we could walk to them. Okay. So you were still getting to see your grandparents. That's mm-hmm. good. I got to see my friend if she came over to my house. Yep, so friends could come visit you. Um, I got to go on walks. Yep, lots of walks. How did? What did you do for school? Homeschool. How'd that go? Good. Hmm, that was an interesting smile. <laughs> Homeschool was good. <laughs> With a sly little smile. Okay. I think we know what that means. Um, I think everybody would want to know, since we're talking about it, are you in school now? Yes. Yes. So, and you're back in the car now? Yes. Okay. So I think we want to talk about that because that seems like a pretty big deal. Yeah. To go from no car rides, really bad panic attacks to working your way back into the car. And now, would you say you're in the car most every day? Yeah. When was the last time you had a panic attack in the car? Do you know? Probably a year ago. About a year ago. How old are you now? Nine. Okay. And a half. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> of course. Um, good. So it's been a while since you've had any kind of panic, huh? Yeah. That's good to hear. Is that make life a little bit easier? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So I, here's what we want to know. What happened? How did you get back there? How did you get back to a place where you could get in the car again? Because it sounds like the panic attacks were pretty scary. They were. Can I ask you one more thing? Sorry, I keep jumping around on you. It's fine, yes. Am I taking you too many places? No. Okay. So here's what I'm wondering too. Oh, I have so many questions for you. Um, When you're having a panic attack in the car, because I have never had one in the car like that. I've had some panic attacks, um, like just maybe three in my life. And I'm fairly old or (laughs) older, older than you. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you're older than me. (laughs) Yeah, that goes without saying. Okay. Uh, Just so the listeners know, I'm older than Addie. Okay. Um, (laughs) So uh, I've had a few, but I've never had any that were in the car or related to that. Can you tell us a little bit more about what would actually happen in the car when you were having a panic attack? Yeah. What would happen? Oh. I would take off my seatbelt. While you were driving? Yes, because I was scared. 
Okay. What would taking up for your seatbelt do? Um, nothing. <laughs> nothing to help you feel better, huh? Nope. Was there anything that helped you feel better? Not really. Only stopping the car. Stopping was the only thing. I'm wondering, and I'm sure you've talked about this before, do you think it was the motion of the car that was having, like, creating that kind of feeling for you? Maybe. Have you ever had it anywhere else? Uh, a golf cart. Uh, I think that's it. I heard a story about um, a boat. Oh, yeah, and a boat. Yeah, I hate that book. <laughs> Just let's put that on record too. Addie hates one particular boat. She's told me this story before. One particular boat uh, on a particular day whale watching in Hawaii with her family. Do you think that was maybe the, the first time you felt that kind of feeling of panic? Yeah. So it sounds like it was a lot of... Um, times where you were moving. So there was a movement of the golf cart, of the boat, of the car. So possibly that was a trigger, but um, I think you told me there were panic attacks in other times. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think something we really want to know about is how did you get back in the car? Was there something that motivated you to do that? Oh, yeah. It, me and my family always go on a trip. A trip. A trip is the thing you said first on your list of things you weren't getting to do. So it sounds like yeah. that's something pretty important for you. Uh-huh. What's, what's the trip you would take? We would take a trip to the Oregon coast. The Oregon coast. I love the Oregon coast. To see my whole family. Oh, okay. Your whole family. Sounds like a big thing. It is. Okay. And I didn't get to go the year before. Because you weren't riding in the car. Yeah. Okay. So you missed out on a year of the trip. Mm-hmm. A trip you take every year with your family. Yes. How was that to miss that trip? Pretty upsetting. Pretty upsetting. I bet it was. And so you were determined? Yes. You weren't going to miss another year? No, I was not. No, you were not. So what'd you do? I got over my anxiety. Oh, she got over her anxiety. That seems like, the way you're saying it now, a few years out, like, eh, I just got over it. Yeah. Was it so simple? No. No. Do you remember any of the, the things you did to try it again to get back out there? Yes. What happened? What'd you do? Took medicine. So the medicine, so we've talked about the medicine a couple of times. The medicine that Addie used for her car anxiety is actually just kids Dramamine. So, um, and it was a half a pill at a time, but it was enough for you to feel like your stomach was settled a little bit. Yes. So do you know what Dramamine is or what it does? Uh, it settles your stomach. Yeah. Like motion sickness kind of stuff. Yeah. So for some kids and you know, this is something we will probably talk more about on future episodes. For some kids, uh, they take medicine prescribed by a doctor when they're having something like panic or anxiety or anything like that. You never did that? No. No, you just had some, some Dramamine to help settle your stomach, and it would help a little? Yes. Did it take the panic all the way away? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Were there other strategies you used? 
squeezing a hand. Squeezing a hand. That's a good one. So uh, taking some of that energy you had was squeezing the hand something that helped with your anxiety or your fear? Uh, probably anxiety. Yeah. I would imagine it was scary to get back in the car yes. after that. It definitely was. So do you think that you're pretty brave? Yes. I agree that you're pretty brave for doing that. Mm. Did you have to go a little bit at a time? Yes. Okay. So what was that like? Uh, scary. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And you would practice? Mm-hmm. Who usually was with you when you did that? My mom. So it sounds like you were taking some small trips to build up to your big trip? Yes. Okay. And did it get less scary the more times you tried it? Yes. Great. So do you remember the, the time where you just stopped having anxiety in the car? Sort of. Sort of. Okay. Kind of blurs together probably. Yeah. It's a while ago because you're nine now. Mm-hmm. You were five then. Yes. And... I got back in the car when I was six or seven. Six or seven. So it's been a couple of years, at least, at least two years, maybe three. Yes. Okay. Do you ever have moments now where you are worried that you might get the panic again? Yes. Yes. What is that like for you? Um, just a little nervous. Just a little like nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any of that happen? Yeah, a little. And then what do you do? How do you get through it? Uh, breathe. You just breathe through it? Mm-hmm. And remember. And remember what? Tell me what you remember. That I probably won't get it again. That you probably won't get it again. And if I do, I know what to do. You know what to do. And you know you can handle it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what that's called? No. It's called resilience. Thought something like that. <laughs> that would have been your guess. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. But, but now that you hear it. Yeah, that seems more like it. Yeah, seems more like it. Something like resilience. So that's something where something's hard or difficult or bad and you know that you can make it through it and that you'll be okay. Uh-huh. That's resilience and that's what you've got. Can I tell you one more thing I think you are? Yes. Very brave. Do you think so? Probably. Probably. Um, okay. So, and, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, one of the things that I remember seeing about you is that even your third grade teacher gave you an award. Is that right? Yes. What was that for? Uh, uh, it was for grade... It was something about homework. Something about homework. And didn't she also say something to you about courage? Oh, yeah. Courage, too. Good. Okay. She's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay. One last thing I want to ask you about. Yes. So, you said earlier the thing about your mom. And she said, what's the worst that could happen? Yes. And you told her. The worst that could happen is my heart my, would, my heart explodes and I'll die. And you'll die. And that's really what it felt like for you. Yes. Yes. 
Do you think that there are times when the grown-ups around you maybe didn't understand what you were going through? Definitely, yes. Definitely, yes. What did you do then to communicate that to them? Explained. It sounds like you had grown-ups around who listened? Yes. Okay. What would you say to kids, because I think there might be a lot of them, who... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, there's a lot of kids in the world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're brave and... (laughs) Spunky. We'll call it spunk. Um, There are a lot of kids in the world, and I bet some of them have anxiety, and I bet some of them have parents who don't understand their anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd want to say to them or advice to give them to try to get their parents to take it a little more seriously? Um, Explain probably how it feels. That should help. Like maybe in your body? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Explain... Um, like where you feel it and explain what happens. Good. And what happens to you when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, I think that's some really good advice and something we could all learn from. So my job here, I don't know if you know this, my job here is to help the grown-ups who are listening to your story really listen to your story <laughs> and try really hard to understand and try not to do you have that thing where sometimes the grown-ups in your life want to just like give you advice and solve your problems sometimes sometimes so sometimes what we need to do as grown-ups is really listen right and really try to understand yes i think your story addy is going to help a lot of grown-ups really understand what it might feel like to be a kid with anxiety and how serious it is do you think so Probably, yes. Is that something you'd want? Yes. Good. Me too. Is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here today? No. And that was a rhyme, by the way. Oh, yeah. I do that sometimes. (laughs) Do you? No. What if we ended this with just a rhyme back and forth? (laughs) And then it turned into a battle rap. (laughs) Should we? No. (laughs) Next time? We'll prep for that for next time. (laughs) You heard it here. Next time Addie comes on, we're going to battle rap. (laughs) What? All right. I'll let you get out of here. Hey, thanks for being here today. You're very welcome. You're a great guest. Thank you. And that's all for our interview with Addie. Great. And bye-bye. Bye. I want us all to take a pause here and think about something. This one is for the grown-ups in the room. Remember, air quotes, because age and maturity are so, so subjective. When we pull up a number like the millions of children with anxiety in the U.S., remember that this is just the number of diagnosed and reported cases. These are the kids that are getting help and attention a diagnosis brings. For many kids, that means a therapist, uh, things like cognitive behavior therapy, play therapy, mindfulness training, EMDR. For Addie, it meant an advocate in a system that had no intention of taking her at her word. What we haven't been explicit about is that during all of this, Addie was living through a custody issue that had her transitioning between homes too often, making long drives to switch between parents, feeling the stress and sadness and fear of the grown-ups around her who just desperately wanted to keep her safe and healthy and happy. During all of this, there were times when a grown-up, usually a professional who had been hired to make decisions about Addie's situation, but who had never actually met her, would dismiss her panic attacks as tantrums. Side note, as a person who works with behaviors, 
um, most of us recognize that a behavior is really just some communication of a need that's going unmet uh, and something that, that maybe a kid just doesn't know how to ask for to get that need met. So for Addie, having a psychologist meant that she had a powerful person who understood and advocated for her best interests. Her diagnosis gave her power and control, something a kid with anxiety desperately needs. Diagnosing children with mental health disorders is a complicated issue, and the issue of medication for children can be very controversial, even among mental health practitioners. This episode isn't about diagnosis or medication, really, but it is about giving kids the space to recognize what they need and then to articulate it to adults who will listen and take seriously those feelings and experiences. In one of our talks, Addie told me that she thinks it's really important for kids to know if the things they're feeling might be anxiety because that way they could start practicing how to handle it. Think for a moment about all the other kids who experience things similar to what Addie has described and haven't been able to express it. Maybe they didn't have the words. Maybe there was just nobody to tell. Maybe they've tried to explain it but have been told things like, just calm down or it will pass or what's the worst that could happen? Think about the way it feels now as a grown-up when someone tells you to calm down, relax. Maybe it's just in your head. Maybe you just need to get over it. Or maybe think about if this was you. Maybe you're hearing this now and remembering a childhood spent with knots in your stomach and the adults telling you there was nothing wrong with you. Maybe you remember the dread of being called on unexpectedly in class and shutting down completely for an entire unit of math because all you could focus on were your sweaty palms and your shaking legs. Maybe if you'd been able to say, hey guys, I think I'm having some pretty serious anxiety about this. Is there a way we can maybe do this differently? Or maybe there's someone who could help me out a little bit. What might've been different for you? What might've been different for these kids? for the kids who face down the beast of worry just to get from day to day. I'm so grateful for Addie for telling her story. What she shared with us is resilience in action. It's the courage to face every difficult day with determination. From listening to her stories and reading her words, it's clear that Addie's panic attacks and anxiety didn't just magically disappear one day. And really, they might come back. But she's faced them. Every single day. Some days were really hard, and some days, many days, were just regular kid days. Addie wants to remind us all to play, to breathe, to know that some things are worth not giving up on, like ourselves. To listen to each other and to keep going. Those are some big lessons from a voice that doesn't seem so small after all. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. As always, the Tiny Reminders podcast is a family affair. Our mix master and production hero is Johnny Lupinacci, my husband. All the music for this podcast was written and performed by Mark Ward, my brother. You can find uh, Mark's music on Spotify and iTunes or wherever you get your tunes from. I hope I never say that again. Uh, we appreciate you listening and we can't wait to share more with you next week. Bye.
Ooh, that's very screamy. I know. Okay. Anything else you want to add? Nope. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, hum. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you ready? Okay. We're going to do a, a new part. Okay. Okay. Everybody take a breath. <gasps> Not into the mic. <laughs> but I like taking breaths into the mic. <laughs> 